you could ever need starting right now welcome into the water break i hope you guys are having a great friday um thank you for listening to 88.9 the bridge we are the water break the best late night sports show on this station i am mclean got will sigh and creed in the studio with me virtually um and we're here to bring you five in five bringing you news from five sports in five minutes uh creed why don't you kick us off with soccer can you tell me what happened in soccer today yeah, well, actually, we have some really sad news. Uh, Jordan Morris, uh, as I've said a lot, has been uh, sent to Swansea City for a loan. Um, but before even a whole month had passed, he got injured uh, with his second ACL injury in the last two years, uh, three years. And so his season is done with Swansea, which is a massive bummer for Swansea, for him, and for all his fans. Um so yeah, that's something really big that relates to Seattle area. Um, and then in the English Premier League, Manchester City is just dominating once again. They are on this massive hot streak, uh, leading the English Premier League uh, with 59 points. Uh, second closest teams, Manchester United and Le- Leicester City, both have 49. And um, we have some pretty good games coming up soon. We have Leicester City... Arsenal on Sunday at 4 a.m. and Chelsea Manchester United uh, Sunday 8:30 a.m. Uh, and that's it for soccer. On to Will with hockey. Yeah, I mean it's been a really interesting last couple of days in hockey. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that I do want to talk about here, and a lot of stuff that I unfortunately will have to talk about. One of which is the Canucks. They've just had a horrible, horrible season, really in general. Uh, but they've they're on a four game losing streak right now, and they're sitting at the bottom of the division, only in front of the Senators, which is to nobody's surprise. However, they do have the most games played in the league, so I think a good break can hopefully reset and give them a shot to make the playoffs this year. But as of right now it's not looking too good hopping over to the west division golden knights and blues lead that league blues probably won't remain there for much longer though because they have a lot more games played compared to everyone else the kings are actually third in that league which is really surprising uh i think 
they don't even have prospect Quentin Byfield playing on their team right now. He's still in the NHL. So they have really good potential there. You can see them dominating the league for probably the next 10 years if some of their prospects can start panning out. Over in the East Division, Bruins, Capitals, Islanders lead that one. No surprise there. Flyers and Penguins are pretty close behind. Uh, that division is probably the strongest in the league right now. The Sabres, who are still a pretty solid team, are at the bottom of that one. Over in the Central Division, probably the most exciting one, is the Florida Panthers, uh, hockey's most irrelevant team, on top over the Lightning, Blackhawks, and Hurricanes, uh, which is really surprising. And I think this could be their year that they make a playoff run. Anyways, yeah. we'll go over to Cy for basketball. All right, so in basketball this week, uh, Kevin Durant is out through the All-Star break because of a hamstring injury, and so Devontes Sabonis is going to replace him in that game, which is pretty interesting. And um, other than that, Nick Nurse and six Raptors or six total Raptors coaches are out due to health and safety protocols, and so it looks like Kyle Lowry is going to have to coach. <laughs> Or they're going to find somebody else. But that was just a trending joke. And for the scores, some notable ones are um, the Milwaukee Bucks just sneaking past the New Orleans Pelicans, 129-125. to 125. The Washington Wizards sneaking past Denver, 112-110. to 110. Um, The Memphis Grizzlies crushing the Clippers, 122-94. to 94. And uh, the New York Knicks, surprisingly, beating the Sacramento Kings by 19 points, 140 to 121. Never thought I'd say that. And uh, the Brooklyn Nets, of course, they're doing really good right now. They beat the Orlando Magic 129 to 92. And finally, we got the Sixers who beat Dallas 111 to 97. And that's it for NBA news. Now on to McLean for baseball. Uh, yeah, so the Seattle market was really hurting in baseball this week. Uh, spring training did open, but uh, top Mariners prospect Jared Kelnick voiced his displeasure with the organization for what he believed was service time manipulation. Um, he doesn't really have much of a case, though. Um, Kelnick is a top prospect in the Mariners organization, ranked number four in Baseball America's top 100 prospects of the whole league. Um, but, you know... He's still just 21 and has never played above high A ball, so you can't really claim service time manipulation for a player that young. The 2020 pandemic season screwed a lot of minor league baseball players out of uh, service time, and had there been a minor league season, Kelnick probably would have debuted last season. Um, unfortunately, that didn't happen, and now he and his camp are unhappy with the Mariners organization. All of this, plus uh, Kevin Mather's comments being uh, taken public, have really just made not the best week for Mariners baseball. Um, the uh, beginning of the season can't really get here fast enough for your Seattle Mariners. Um, but yeah, uh, in other news of all-star Seattle sports players who are trying to force their way out, uh, Russell Wilson's list of teams, um, just four, that he's okay with a trade to. What do you guys think about that? Uh, I mean, I still can't see it going through. I know we talked a lot about this yesterday, so you've kind of already heard my piece on it. Uh, but I really hope he doesn't tr- leave. I think now in the next couple of years, maybe is going to be our last little bit to get a Super Bowl or at least have a chance at one with this team that we have. A lo- we're going to lose a lot of veterans. We've already lost a couple this year probably to free agency. Uh, so we don't have a whole lot of time, and Russell leaving this team would certainly put us in a bad spot. 
Uh, yeah, yeah I sure. um, Will's referencing. We didn't have a show yesterday. You guys, if you're avid listeners of this program, you didn't miss a show. Don't worry. Uh, Will and I were just uh, invited to be on After School Live from 4 to 5 on this station. Uh, every school day, you can hear uh, student voices live from 4 to 5. None of this pre-recorded, clean feed uh, nonsense. Um, but So that's great. If you really enjoy live radio, you tune in uh, 4 p.m. to 5 p.m. every school day. Uh, and we talked yesterday at length about... Um, possibilities for Russell Wilson. And I think I don't think any of the four teams Wilson listed can make a like an actual trade. I I don't think there's uh any of those four teams can actually uh offer enough to the Seattle Seahawks to get them to give up Russell Wilson. Yeah, and I think um I mean, it's really likely that he's not leaving the Seahawks, but probably the one place on that list that makes the most sense, I guess for Russell would probably be the Saints because they're contenders and they're one quarterback away from, I don't know, Super Bowl. So that would be the only place. But again, the Seahawks are probably going to keep them. Yeah, well, let me tell you what. I'll give you um, I'll give you 69.9 reasons why 69.9 million reasons why that's not happening. <laughs> that is, of course, the uh, New Orleans Saints um salary cap figure there is no way that the new orleans saints can afford to put russell wilson's contract on the books even if the seahawks eat the entirety even if they eat the cap hit just what wilson is scheduled to make in 2021 would put the saints almost a hundred million dollars over the cap and just really not be good news for for new orleans a, a Saints team with Russell Wilson on it would be so gutted. It would have to be Wilson and, like, a bunch of rookies. They'd have to get, like, straight free agents to be starters. It, it just it doesn't work. Uh, the Saints are paying too much money to too many players. They'd have to offload some serious cap to to justify adding Russell Wilson. The only of Wilson's four teams, the only one that I could see making an actual you know, uh, play would be the Raiders. And even that is a long shot. The Raiders could send Derek Carr up to the Pacific Northwest and maybe two, maybe three first round picks and a couple of standout defensive players. But like, it doesn't make much sense. I'm Pete Carroll has, uh, doesn't really have too much of a history with working with, um, you know, those totem quarterbacks. The last time that he, uh, worked with an, like a, purely immobile quarterback was Carson Palmer back at USC back when Pete Carroll uh, was the coach of USC in 2005. So he'd have to really uh, go deep into the playbook to find an offense that would work with Derek Carr. You know, um, he would also be, uh, it would also mean that um, Seattle would have to absorb a gigantic cap hit because the Raiders don't have too much uh, cap space to, uh, to hold Wilson's contract. So Seattle would probably wind up having to absorb most of it. So a trade to the Raiders might be just as unlikely as to the saints. And for similar reasons, uh, Russ picked a tough off season to want to get out of Seattle because for a guy making as much money as he is, the salary cap didn't go up by much. Yeah. His, um, his options are certainly limited. And I think another thing that makes it worse is a lot of teams aren't like, I think some of the teams that are in the position to take him 
uh, just simply can't because of the cap, especially like the Saints. Two that I was thinking about, as I know one he named was the Bears, which I think could be a possibility. They're certainly primed to win if they could get a really good quarterback in there. And another that I brought up yesterday was the Washington football team. Yeah, um, and both of those teams, there's definitely some issues with sending Wilson uh, somewhere within the conference because that would mean that Seattle has to play him every year. Um, you know, and another um, another reason that's not happening is whatever team Wilson gets sent to has to give Seattle back a quarterback that will allow the team to win now. Uh, Shane Waldron's offensive scheme works without a mobile quarterback, so they don't need to send back a quarterback who plays similar in style to Wilson. You know, uh, Waldron can run an offense without a mobile quarterback. Um, It might not be the preferred method, but Waldron's offense would work with, with somebody like like Andy Dalton at the helm, you know, an Andy Dalton or a Jared Goff, a tall quarterback with a deep arm. It's, um, it just doesn't make, uh, too much sense for Seattle to, to keep Wilson in the conference and deal him to a team that can't give a quarterback in return. The bears and football team are definitely hits both of those, both hits, both of those boxes. I mean, the most accomplished quarterback on the roster of the football team is Alex Smith and he's, 36 years old with some major injury concerns. Uh, the most accomplished quarterback that the Bears have under contract is Nick Foles, who's, you know, also getting up there and having some health concerns. So Seattle, to move Wilson, needs a win-now quarterback, um, and that really limits their options. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what did you guys think of the Carson Wentz trade? That was interesting. No one saw that coming. I don't know. A lot of people saw that coming. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't predict Wentz to the Colts. I thought that the Colts were going to have to uh, dig deeper and find a different answer. But I didn't think Wentz would be moved. I was wrong about that. But, you know, Carson Wentz is now uh, reunited with the man who made him almost an MVP in 2017 until he tore his Achilles and let Nick Foles go on that road. Um, But uh, Carson Wentz will try to revive his career this also means that the colts now have their fifth opening day starting quarterback in five years assuming that wentz actually does start week one so that's interesting colts are uh, definitely staying in the driver's seat to contend in the afc south yeah, they're definitely I mean, a contender but i don't know if wentz is a quarterback that you can hinge on for an entire season just looking at his past performances uh last couple of years in philly uh also with injuries too i don't think I don't know if he'll be able to fit because last year they had Philip Rivers, who's a really consistent old quarterback, been in the league for a while. Wentz is somewhat similar, but without the consistency, and I don't think that's going to be what they need to win the Super Bowl this year. Yes, in play style, Carson Wentz and Philip Rivers are both pretty similar. Um, you know, the only difference is that Rivers is generally a lot quicker to throw the ball away. Carson Wentz hangs on to the ball for a lot of for long, long periods of time. Um, but Philip Rivers is uh, more inclined to get the ball out quick. Um, I, don't, it'll be I don't think that's a big problem on the Colts, though, with the yeah. O-line they have. With the O-line that, yes, definitely true. With the O-line that the Colts have, um, they'll, it'll allow Carson Wentz to sit back and take those big, deep shots. You know, he'll, he can unleash that pretty deep ball that made him a high pick. You know, his his arm talent, he's still got a fairly live arm after all the injuries. Um, he's... He can still make all the throws if he's given time in the pocket. Um, the Colts receiver core is pretty young, uh, but that run game 
that's that's pretty good. Jonathan Taylor is a stud, um, and they've also got Naeem Hines under contract. So they've got a group of running backs that's probably the best that Wentz has, has ever worked with. They're going to get Marlon Mack back this year too, right? He's a free agent, so uh, um, he did just get injured. So the Colts might opt to not bring him back and let some other team take a flyer on him. They had pretty good success last year without him. Uh, and yeah, he is a good running back, but they might not need him in, Marlon in Mack, order to yes, win. He's, he's a very consistent back uh, in play style. He's extremely similar to Le'Veon Bell. Um, so he can, he runs best. He's got a patient, smart running style running behind a great offensive line. So there's, um, there's not a lot of room for backs like that in the league nowadays. The, the, that model is definitely on its way out. Um, and it looks like when the Colts picked Jonathan Taylor, um, in last year's draft in the second round, that was definitely the beginning of the end for Marlon Mack. Even if the injury hadn't happened, Jonathan Taylor probably still would have taken over that backfield. What with the second half of the season that he had, so he was, you know, clearly the the Colts' best option at running back. Yeah, it's um, it'll be interesting to see uh, how Wentz plays on this team. I think this is the Colts are definitely set up for success. They've got a playoff caliber defense, playoff caliber uh, run game. The only uh, question, the only really big question mark is um at quarterback and with Carson Wentz in there um reunited with the coach who made him into an MVP candidate just three years ago they should be poised to uh make some fireworks I wouldn't be surprised if the Colts won the entire AFC all right well with that we're gonna take a quick break here on the water break keep listening on 88.9 the bridge for more music and conversation that spans generations Hey everybody, welcome back to The Water Break on 88.9 The Bridge. We are the best late night sports show on this station. Um, I'm McLean. I've got Will, Cy, and Creed virtually with me in the booth. Um, and we're going to talk about this segment. We're going to ask you guys who the greatest NFL defender of all time is. Who wants to get us started? Um, I'll get us started. So I think I would... I have a lot of recency bias, obviously, but I would either say Deion Sanders or uh, Troy Polamalu. Hey, you get one answer, no cheating. Oh, okay, fine. Deion Sanders then. Deion Sanders was insane. Yeah, primetime Sanders. He's primetime Sanders. He's one of the only two-sport athletes uh, to ever make in the NFL. He's uh, one of my favorite multi-sport athletes. He's such a cool guy. He played baseball too, right? Uh, yeah, for the Atlanta Braves. That's pretty cool. He's actually the uh, only player to uh, ever hit a home run in the World Series and score a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Well, you know, for this question, I was actually going to say prime time as well because I really like him. I think he's a good oh. corner. But I'm going to switch it up now. I'm going to go with uh, Weapon X, I believe, Brian Dawkins, Brian who was Dawkins. maybe not the greatest defensive player, but in my opinion, the hardest hitter, which is super valuable, especially for the position he plays. And I don't know, he's just a fun player to watch. If you go back, watch some of those old highlight tapes. He is just Cam Chancellor, but better, in my opinion. It's cool to watch. Yeah, all right. So we've picked, we've got some DBs. Uh, Creed, are you going to pick a DB too? Creed, are you there? Uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, my sorry, online is tough. And it's, it's always hard to figure it out. Um, you know, I honestly don't have a good decision on this one. No horse in the race? All right, well. Not really. I mean, I've, I've been looking... I looked up the top ten uh, from what NFL has to say, but all right. I mean, well, that, you can you can like mediate. Kind of cheating. 
You can you can since Creed cheated, he can mediate. All right, I'm gonna yeah. say I'm gonna go not with a sleeper pick, but I'm gonna go against the grain, and I'm not gonna pick a defensive back. I'm gonna say Mean Joe Green. He was the centerpiece of what the the first real NFL dynasty, those steel curtain Steelers. They didn't have sacks back then when Mean Joe Green was in the league, but something tells me that he probably would have racked up a lot. Um, he was amazing. He was a force to be reckoned with. Uh, you know how teams game plan around Aaron Donald, where you see him doubled and tripled sometimes? Mean Joe Green, just as bad. He was a matchup nightmare, and his excellence allowed the rest of that Steel Curtain defense to shine. There was a reason that Pittsburgh didn't win anything after he left. Um, Pittsburgh's titles without Mean Joe Green are just uh, when the refs cheated the Seahawks out of the 05 Super Bowl and when <laughs> and when Santonio Holmes made the best catch in NFL history. Yeah, my dad likes to talk about that Super Bowl a lot. He says he was stolen by the Steelers, so totally I don't know. I, that's that's got to be the worst officiated Super Bowl I've ever seen. I mean, seen. that's why they're called the Steelers. I was a bit too young to, to be there for that one, but yeah, I think it, it's tough and i mean the seahawks have not had the greatest track record especially in super bowls so it would have been nice to have one more i watched one one i watched that game that super bowl super bowl 40 um on nfl red zone when they made it free last spring over quarantine um i watched that game and it was some of the worst officiating i've ever seen um on one of the last touchdowns of the game ben roethlisberger um, did a quarterback sneak to try and score. He sat down a full six inches short of the pylon, and they gave it to him. They gave him the touchdown. And I can't show oh, you guys man. the highlight, but it's it's pretty bad. It's a it's a pretty egregious miss. You know, it's and it's not even like the rules were vague. He just he didn't break the plane with the ball. You know, it it, it shouldn't have been a touchdown. Um, but my my point is. Um, you mean Joe Green, greatest defensive player. We're going to do another debate uh, because we've got a little more time to fill. Uh, what do you guys think the greatest catch in NFL history is? Um, personal bias for me would make me want to say the Minnesota Miracle, but I don't think that's that's what I can go with. I would say Immaculate Reception is number one. Immaculate Reception at the number one? Wow, Pittsburgh Steelers getting a lot of airtime. Those seven I mean, yeah, Steelers. They, they've been amazing for so long. Um so, you know, they've, they've kind of got a, this whole thing down. She just renamed this show to, like, Talking Steelers or something. <laughs> the Minnesota Miracle, I think, was one of the, the most well-timed catches for, the, like, the scenario. But if you just looked at it, you couldn't see the scoreboard. You didn't know the situation. You'd say, okay, it's a good catch. You know, he scored a touchdown, but it's nothing special. I think the greatest catch of all time is between one of two, and it's the helmet catch or it's OBJ's three-finger catch. And I think it would be OBJ's three-finger catch. Giants that's, yeah, fan? that's a good one. You Giants fan or something? Closet Giants fan? Uh, no, I just the, the three finger catch was so amazing. I remember for like yeah. a whole summer after that, everyone was always like, "Oh, Odell me or OBJ me," because they wanted to try that three finger thing like that. Yeah. Everybody knew about that. I actually got to see it. I don't know if I saw it live, but I was watching the game for the first time where it just happened. Like I didn't watch a highlight reel or anything. I was just randomly watching a Giants game, and I was I remember my jaw dropped when I saw that catch. Yeah, that was that was insanity. Uh, Sai, do you have an opinion? Greatest yeah, catch I'm of a, all time. I'm going to have to go with the helmet catch because, I mean, sure, the Odell Beckham catch was great, but, I mean, if you incorporate the situation into it, it doesn't really compare to that kind of insane catch during a Super Bowl. So I'm going to have to go helmet catch. 
All right. Well, that's so I've, we've got some big playoff moments. I'm going to go. I'm tempted to say Santonio Holmes is toe tap in the back of the end zone. It, it tempts me to say that. Um, it also tempts me as an insanely biased Seahawks fan. It tempts me to say um, Jermaine Curse's catch in Super Bowl 49, the circus catch in a vacuum. Uh, would be remembered as one of the best catches of all time if, you know, Seattle had been able to punch the ball in for a touchdown, rather. Literally nobody talks about that catch. I remember being so excited when he caught that. I was like, there's no way. And then, yeah, it gets overshadowed by the rest of it. That was, yeah, that catch was insanity. Um, it also tempts me um, to talk about uh, Megatron's 70-yard um, stunner in the game that he hit 300 yards on. Um I, if you don't know the one I'm talking about, it was the, the, the dagger with that. He took like 70 yards down. That was a good catch. Um, but I think I'm going to have to go, uh, with an answer that, a uh, a lot of people probably remember, which is, uh, which is last year, um, Tyler Lockett's catch on, um, on Monday Night Football against the Rams, and I'm extremely biased just because I was at that game and I saw it happen live. His toe tapper in the corner against the Rams. Do y'all remember that catch? Uh, somewhat, somewhat. I think I think I remember the game, but that's cool that you saw it live because I know yeah. you guys have season tickets, so you probably see a lot well, of Cy, that stuff. I would have been there too, right? Sai, you were in band. It was that game. Oh yeah, no. See, we played halftime, but they didn't allow us to like watch the game which is so annoying really so you have no idea what i'm That's talking horrible. about all right yeah. so I'll, how I'll would they not let you guys video. watch uh they didn't let us watch because like well we our band is pretty big and they just didn't have like enough i guess space for us because i'm pretty sure that game was booked oh yeah it was a sellout it's monday yeah. night football always pretty much sells out at the clink yeah they didn't even let us watch it on tvs which is annoying and i was like come on man you, you probably had that like one kid with an nfl.com like premium subscription or whatever it is nfl red zone yeah. uh where you can watch the game on your phone there's yeah. probably somebody who had that right mm-hmm. yeah well there uh, also just circling back to the original topic there was one catch that i think we haven't mentioned but was pretty good it's not mentioned a lot but I don't know if you guys remember when Julian Edelman made that juggling catch against the Falcons. I do remember like, that. It like bounced off of someone's leg and he caught it. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah, that was pretty crazy. Yeah, that was insane. Um, a more recent interesting catch that, you know, more biased for me. Well, technically not because it was against the Vikings. But uh, it was extremely recent. It was last year, actually. It was C.D. Lamb's catch uh, in week 11 against the Vikings uh, in the end zone. It was an amazing catch. He completely spun around and caught it reaching out it was something that seemed super uncatchable but he did it i you guys should look it up and watch it i don't know if you've seen it but it's it's pretty amazing yeah that was it was nice um i i know the one you're talking about i saw that on a highlight reel i wasn't watching that game but i did it it definitely isn't like a top catch of all time but it's one of those that makes you it's one of those ones you gotta throw it into the conversation exactly yeah um the other one that I feel like uh, I have to mention is this is like the most random sleeper in the wild card weekend game. This in a vacuum was a great catch. It didn't matter at all to the outcome of the game. But on the final play of the Bears Saints wild card game, Jimmy Graham had this like one handed stab um, for a touchdown to, you know, end his own season. 
Uh, they wound up losing twenty-seven to nine, uh, but it was it was an amazing catch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, well, I think we've officially run out of content, uh, so we're gonna uh, dip on the water break. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, 288.9 The Bridge. Uh, check us out on Spotify for more better content. Um, we're going to go now. Uh, keep listening on 88.9 The Bridge for more music and conversation that spans generations and have a great weekend.